Kristen, you're going to have to make a case for yourself here because you're telling me that you're an immigrant. I am an immigrant. I don't think you're an immigrant. I think I, I'm pretty sure I'm an immigrant. Why do you think I'm not an immigrant? Tell me. Let, tell let me, me tell how... you what an immigrant is. Okay. An immigrant, they come in. They come in. They they immigrate here. Okay, but you were you were brought here. You were you were you were uh, you were adopted by a uh, by a family here, right? Yes, yes, I was. And hold on, are you saying babies aren't allowed to be immigrants? I don't. Doesn't I'm that seem? I'm pretty sure if you're a baby. And you're not born here. You're still an immigrant because you're coming in. I, you know, there's this term emigrant and immigrant. Well, immigrant is immigrant. <laughs> immigrant is what you were in your native country, right? Yes. They so think can't they're I looking be an immigrant at you. Here? But I don't know, Kristen. I know I was a baby. And yes, yes, babies aren't, aren't really good at filling out the paperwork. No, they have very they're, little, very little agency. They're really bad at saying those pledges, at doing all the like back and forth conversations you need to do with customs and so on. You know. I'm not saying babies are good immigrants. I'm just saying they are immigrants, right? Okay. Well, the immigrant that I'm thinking of is something more like one of the movies that we're going to be discussing, <laughs> which puts your immigrant experience to shame, Kristen. Really? I think yes. my immigrant experience is awesome. <laughs> okay. Listeners who have listened for a long time know this. I was a baby. I was in Korea. I was found in a box. Somebody took me from that box, brought me to an orphanage, and then I was adopted and brought here as a baby. It is an, it's an, I agree with you. It's an awesome story. Baby in a box. And now look, I'm sitting here with you, Rafer. <laughs> it's the American dream, Kristen. It's the American dream. Everybody's American dream is to sit in a studio with Rafer Guzman, and here it is. All right. Well, we're going to talk about a slightly less dreamy view of America. <laughs> in a few moments, we're going to talk about a movie called The Immigrant with Joaquin Phoenix and Marion Cotillard. We'll also talk about uh, another immigrant movie, Million Dollar Arm, uh, starring John Hamm as a sports agent who brings two teenage Indian boys to America to become Major League Baseball pitchers. And then kind of an immigrant movie. Oh, it's a total immigrant movie. If you movie. count yeah. Godzilla as an Godzilla, immigrant. He's not originally from San Francisco. <laughs> no, he's not. But you know what? He's, a, he's willing to make that trek for the dream. And he's old. He's native. <laughs> I think he belongs to the first peoples. That's what I think. And we're going to talk about Godzilla, all that and more. In a minute, uh, including an interview with the producer of Million Dollar Arm. But first, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Rafer Guzman, movie critic for Newsday. And I'm Kristen Meinzer, immigrant producer for The Takeaway. And this is Movie Date. On the boats and on the planes, they're coming to America. Giant beasts and baseball games, they're coming to America. Movies. Don't they seem so far away? We're talking immigration today on the movie date. On a movie date. Okay, Kristen, since you're so well qualified, you give us. I even went to Ellis Island once. I've been to Ellis Island too, for God's sake. I. So, since you're an immigrant and you've been to Ellis Island, you tell us the plot. Of the immigrant. Okay, so this is during the turn of the century, 1800s to 1900s, not new millennium, but no. the, the last great migration. We have Marion Cotillard. You, you say Cotillard. And I, I say Cotillard. Is that incorrect? Oh, I always, I always say Cotillard. Mm, mm, I don't know. Interesting. We'll, and, we'll anyway. look it up. All right, so she is playing an immigrant from Poland 
coming to the States, caught in all of the rigmarole that is Ellis Island during this time. They don't have computers. There's a lot of ledgers. There's paperwork. There's a lot of discrimination. There's victimization of women. There there are a lot of problems here. Oh, you look like you're sick. We're putting you in the infirmary. You look like somebody that can't be trusted. We're sending you on the street. You know, all of that stuff. And here in the mess of all of this is a man who looks like he can take care of you, played by Joaquin Phoenix, a guy who knows the rules, who's going to help you. He's going to get you out of this. But no, he's not a good guy. He's a bad, bad, bad man. Yeah, bad guy. And he knows how to victimize women in particular. And some women are appreciative for the help he gives, even if that means you're being forced into being a sex slave. And um, other people feel more victimized by this situation for obvious reasons. And Marianne Cotillard is one who is not enjoying the situation in the slightest. And that's pretty much the plot of the movie with a love triangle sort of thrown in there as well. Uh, And balancing out that love triangle, Jeremy Renner. So, let's play a clip. What about her? Libel become public charge. She arrived with her sister who was quarantined for lung disease. Best of luck to you. Sir, can you help me? Ma'am, you were in the exclusion line? Yes. Did they explain to you what that meant? Yes, yes. They're sending you back. Well... Joaquin Phoenix, you can't beat him. He's the greatest. If it weren't for um, Channing Tatum, he would be your favorite. <laughs> uh, well, I'd still go. I'd still go for Joaquin Phoenix over Channing Tatum. I mean, one's an actor, one's a movie star. That's what I'll say. Oh, okay. All right. All right. So, did you like Joaquin Phoenix in this? I always think Joaquin Phoenix is a good actor. Sometimes he is so intense that he's a little too intense sometimes, if you know what I mean. Yeah, he, I do. He almost teeters on melodrama sometimes because yep. he's just so intense. Um, and he does that a little bit in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but I do think the cast is great. Marianne Cotillard, oh, she's just fantastic. And even if she doesn't say anything, she just has so many expressions on her face that she's able to reveal a whole internal world even when she's not speaking. Yeah. Jeremy Renner is a problematic but delightful character. I've, this, is, this is better than I've seen him in a long time. This, was, this, this to me is definitely his best role since Hurt Locker. Mm. Um, but even so... I think he's. I think he kind of pales in comparison to uh, Marion and Joaquin. I feel like they both outstrip him pretty visibly in this film. I would say. Well, he's supposed to be kind of reckless and lovable, and yeah, he's a magician, and uh, he sort of charms Marion Cotillard's character, and uh, and of course uh, Joaquin Phoenix sees a threat. The two the two men are cousins, and, and they're um, both in love with her. And they're both in love with them, and and the, the two men have a history, a, a, sim- a similar story in their in their past. I I liked this movie. I think it looks really beautiful. It the street scenes, the interior scenes, the costumes all look really uh, authentic oh, and absolutely. lived in. Yeah. Um, it's it's gorgeous looking. Again, the cast I think is great. I I you 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 compared Joaquin Phoenix to an actor in a melodrama, and this film does feel a bit like a melodrama to me. There's something a little bit operatic about it not not in a good way i think um not that it's a bad movie it just feels a little a little soap opera ish to me Uh, it all feels a little overwrought and i i i was not even though i liked it it didn't it didn't bowl me over it didn't it didn't really Mm. truly impress me so not a great date for you it's an okay it's an okay date i can see where you're coming from i don't have a problem with melodramas my biggest issue with this movie was Despite all of its beauty and its great acting, I just thought it was way too predictable. Hmm. It felt a lot like torture porn. Let's look at this woman have a really bad life. Oh, really? People victimize her. And I just wanted tiny little moments of personal 
uh, agency and triumph. Some happiness, yeah. <laughs> some little bit of happiness, even if it's just like... There isn't much. No, I mean, I'm not. nothing as trite as like Cinderella has birds that talk to her level, but something that's just like... <laughs> small that's her own that she can yes. have and yes and i felt that it was unrelenting let's torture her some more and some huh. more and some more look now she has to have sex with this guy whether she doesn't want to or not look she thinks she found a dollar no she didn't she's going to be tortured for this too look right. this happened and it's just one oh look she found her family no she didn't they're just going to be mean to her too right nothing good can happen in her life and i felt we needed a little bit of respite here and there just to not it just felt like torture porn and <laughs> so good not so good date bad date or what i, I you know i'm gonna say okay date okay like, date yeah. so we, yes because it really was beautiful and the acting was good but yeah. just just okay yeah okay all right well so the immigrant is down on the immigrant <laughs> no you did call me an immigrant <laughs> that is on tape people oh, Kristen Meinzer, right immigrant <laughs> Okay, so our next immigrant story is Million Dollar Arm. This is a, a Disney sports film based on a true story of the sports agent J.B. Bernstein, who, while channel surfing one night, uh, while his uh, practice has, his practice as a sports agent has basically fallen apart, he's watching cable TV and he flips back and forth between a cricket match in India and a, uh, a scene of Susan Boyle on, uh, I think it's on Britain's Got Talent. Oh, I just love her. And he puts the two together and comes up with a reality TV show contest in India to find baseball's next great pitcher uh, and, and goes to India to find if he can uh, sign, a, sign a couple of unknowns to uh, Major League Baseball. Here's a clip. Is that right? 82 with that motion? Is that even possible? Lefty with juice. You don't see that every day. Uh, uh, lefty with juice is good, sir? Uh, lefty with juice is great. I mean, lefty with juice is money in the bank. That's John Hamm playing uh, J.B. Bernstein. And the two Indian uh, pitchers that he recruits are played by Suraj Sharma from Life of Pi and Madhur Mittal from... Slumdog Millionaire. Good job pronouncing those right Yes, there. thank you. That's, that's, a, that's also, they're probably badly pronounced, but it's the best I can do. Here's one I do know. Lake Bell plays uh, Brenda, J.B. Bernstein's uh, girlfriend, and Alan Arkin is in the cast. Bill Paxton, uh, very good cast. So we interviewed Mark Ciardi, a producer of the film, and he is also a former Major League Baseball player himself with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, we'll play that interview in just a moment. And we are thrilled to have with us today Mark Chiardi. He is the producer of Million Dollar Arm, plus he's a former professional baseball player. Mark, thank you so much for joining us today from L.A. Oh, thank you, guys. We're watching a lot of exciting pitching in this movie, in these contests, and when scouts are watching them and so on. Now, you're a former pitcher yourself, so did you actually say, that's not how you hold a ball? Or nobody would stand that <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, we, we've got fantastic um, sports coordinators. Uh, I'd come in when needed. Uh, you know, I had probably more involvement on my first movie, The Rookie. You know, you really want to get the pitching right. There's just everyone's an expert now. And if, you don't, if it doesn't look good, it'll take you out of the movie. And, um, you know, we, we also had to teach these kids in India, the actors, uh, how, to, how to pitch, you know. And, and we had to flip, you know, the one of them, Suraj, Suraj uh, Sharma, who plays Rinku, 
is a right-hander, and, and Rinku is a left-hander. So we had to flip the negative. We had to have him pantomime left-handed, which is so you're taking a kid that never threw a baseball and also have to teach him you know, how to pitch with the other hand a little bit. So it was a lot of work, and uh, we spent a lot of time with the boys, but I think it looks fantastic. And, you know, you got to get good doubles. So when you're, when you're in long shots, it's believable. But, uh, you know, it's all little little movie magic, and, and, you know, getting the motion down is the biggest thing. And so and tell us a little bit about uh, J.B. Bernstein, the agent played by John Hamm. Uh, you knew this guy, and presumably you still know him. Yeah, I did. I knew him before I even got into the film business. And, uh, and then once I was in the film business, I... You know, I'd ran into him at a uh, Super Bowl party, I think in 07 or 08, and he came up to me and said that he was going to India, that he was going to do a reality show, and he was trying to find a pitcher, and kind of looked at him cross-eyed. And you know, he likes to tell the story later that, that I thought he was crazy, and I was saying it would never happen. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I did doubt, you know, his uh, ability to, to maybe, you know, obviously succeed in getting these boys signed. So, you know, about a year and a half later, uh, I get a call, and it's JB, and he tells me that he just got these kids signed. So my partner and I, you know, basically said, get in here, let's talk about this story, and uh, and that was the start of it. I mean, in in the in the film, there's a character arc, as, as every film must have, um, and JB Bernstein's character arc is basically, you know, he starts out as a jerk, and so <laughs> he becomes a nice guy. Um, was he was he kind of jerky? Was he this was he this guy? Was he this sort of he, selfish he was... single guy? Yeah, I mean, listen, you, you, you know, you always want to, you know, have a movie that, that will entertain people, but so much of this was, was pulled from real life. You know, our, our, <laughs> That's a diplomatic you know, Tom McCarthy, <laughs> you know, he, 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 listen, I knew him when he was single, and I was single, and, and uh, you know, through this, you know, he opened himself up, and, and now he's married, and he's got a, a small child, and he credits the boys, and, uh, you know, they went from being you know, a commodity to, to really being close. He loved these guys. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time around him when we first got the rights, and this was all happening right before even they went to their first year in baseball. Um, it, it was like, you know, it was a father and son, uh, and you could tell J.B. cared about him, and, and he would talk a lot about just how these boys affected him. Those boys are great, and how did you end up choosing these particular actors, and how did you choose all the extras also? Because there are a lot of giant crowd scenes in India uh, during the contest yeah, in this movie. Yeah, India, boy, what a challenge, because we went through went there in the, at the absolute hottest time of the year, and we, we, there were the, the, the weather was probably between 100, and, a, and it got as high as 126 degrees. Wow. So it, it was pretty uh, brutal, but uh, we, we went... With our director, um, we were there in March, and we did all of our casting. You know, we, we were there for two weeks, and we saw so many kids. And, you know, this combination, and it was all about a combination of how these three worked with each other. So it was a lot of trial and error. And, you know, we got the boy, uh, Suraj Sharma, who, who started A Life of Pi. And, uh, you know, listen, Ang Lee casted thousands of kids and looked for kids and, and found him. And boy, when we sat down with him, and, and then Madur, who was the older brother in, in uh, Slumdog Millionaire, and then, you know, we, those two work so well together. And then, you know, finding Amit, who's such a classic kind of fun character, you know, we just found Pito Bosch, who, you know, again, we saw hundreds of kids, and we just felt like, boy, what a, what a great combination these three would be. And once we got them all together, we realized we had a, a really special uh, team. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, you see a lot of people, listen, a lot of the extras, you just kind of round them up and herd them up and, and there's so many people. In fact, half the time we didn't know who was extras and who were, you know, uh, just people walking in the streets. Because in in in, uh, in India, you can't like lock off a street. You have to let people pass through. You just kind of guide your own extras, and they mix with the other extras, and it's just complete chaos. I don't think any Bollywood movie would ever have kind of 
shot the street scenes we did. I mean, they could try to control everything, and we just said, you know, we want this feeling really authentic, and we didn't know any better. So there we are in, you know, 110-degree heat in Mumbai trying to get these crowd scenes, and it was just complete chaos. But that's what the movie is, and, and that's what J.B. experienced when he was over there. So, you know, we really feel like we, we, we got the feel, and, and none of that was sweat. It was sprayed on to John. Any of those scenes you see, it's, it was so hot. There is a scene where almost all of his shirt is wet. Yes. Yeah. yes. It's a double fish out of water story. You know, it's JB going to India and, you know, having him stumble and, you know, try to figure that out. And then it's the boys coming to America and they're, you know, they were from two small little villages. They they were not exposed to a lot. And, you know, their challenges when they got here are, are, are portrayed there. I mean, you know, from elevators to... I mean, they never saw a lot of this stuff, and uh, and it's, you know, fun, but we also wanted to strike that balance of not trying to make fun of them, because in many ways they were a lot wiser than, than JB, and that's why he learned so much from them. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us today, and we so appreciate your talking with us about Million Dollar Arm, being a producer on that film, and, um, and a little bit about your baseball expertise from your former pitching days. Thanks for uh, your time as well. All right, Kristen, let's talk about the biggest immigrant movie of them all. Ooh. Godzilla. Yes. Godzilla comes from somewhere else (laughs) and then arrives in San Francisco. Somewhere off the coast of Japan, I think, is where Godzilla was born. Bikini Atoll, I think. Or beneath. Or beneath. (laughs) Well, um... I almost don't even know how to give a plot summary of this. Do well, you want to do it? Yeah, or, yeah? yeah let me do You it. can do it? Oh, Yeah, great. let's do it. So the original Godzilla was supposedly a metaphor talking about uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And this one is taking it in a slightly different direction, but it's acknowledging that history, looking at that past. And it has the theory that Godzilla, and not just Godzilla, but other creatures yes. beneath the sea have been around since prehistoric times, living off the radiation near the Earth's core. But once humans decided to mess with things, to make their own radioactive materials, to make bombs, those drew up those prehistoric creatures towards the surface because those creatures just love radiation. They live off of that radiation, so they're coming to the surface. So this movie opens in sort of a... In modern Japan, 1999, I think it is. Yeah, something like that. And uh, in Japan, we have a character played by Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame who's working in a nuclear energy plant, and something very bad is happening around there. Feels like an earthquake. What's going on? Oh, no. I know something's going on, and it's not of this world. That's right. But nobody will listen to Brian Cranston. No, they won't. But the truth will come out later. And what is that truth? that these prehistoric creatures from below the ground are back, and they love the radiation that we are making now as humans. Here's a clip. I'll meet them down there myself. Put the safety doors on manual override. I cannot do that. Keep the doors open. My wife is still in there. Now, in this movie, the other kaiju that you are talking about, Kristen, is the Muto. Oh, massive, underground... Unidentified. Oh, un- unidentified terrestrial... Um... Organism. Yes! <laughs> and I just want to say that it flies, so shouldn't that be a MUFO? Oh, that's my first, snap, That's Rayford. my first question to you. That's my first question to you about this dumb, dumb movie. Oh, 
This movie is so dumb and so bad. I could not believe how dumb it was. <laughs> it's dumb from beginning to end. Oh, beginning. You, you didn't even like the premise about these being prehistoric creatures well, and the Brian Cranston portion in the beginning when he's just like, I know the truth is out there. I love right. that setup. Okay. The, I have the, to say the setup of the movie is the setup, fantastic. The setup of the movie the is very is good. So the, good. Setup, the setup of the movie is very good. And there is a, you have a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of hope with a, a, a very moving scene between Brian Cranston and Juliette Binoche. So good. Good so scene. Good, good scene. A, and that gives you a little hope. And then the movie just snatches that hope away. It crushes your hope <laughs> like Godzilla. It crushes it. Underneath his giant foot. Underneath his giant, giant, bronx-sized foot. This is the most enormous Godzilla I've ever seen. He's so big that I, I barely can even believe that he can fit on a city. He's so, he's so huge. cute. Do you yeah, think he's so cute? He's kind of fat and lovable. And when you see his big <laughs> foot come down, you, yes, his, his big foot looks like, you know, he'd make the perfect stuffed animal. You're thinking of Godzuki. No. Godzilla's little little nephew from the Hanna-Barbera cartoon who used, <laughs> no. to, who used to breathe little smoke pops. <laughs> Godzilla. No. And Godzuki. <laughs> That's who you're thinking of. <laughs> I'm just so happy you're singing. You're yeah, singing. Yeah. But no, I think he's cute and lovable. And you know, some, there were some critics in Japan who have been upset about this Godzilla being too plump. Too plump. He's too fat. He's American. He's an American yeah, Godzilla. Yeah, that's what they're saying. They're like, oh, typical of America. Just fat acceptance left and right. <laughs> that's what they're all into. But We're all about that. But I think it's partly, you know, they want Godzilla to be a little bit more lovable in this movie. And I won't explain why. He's not lovable. Yes, he's he got, is. He's so got no, he and I want to no hug him. Personality I want to hug you. You're oh, so soft. come on. <laughs> this guy, here's, you know, you were talking about, about. The origins of Godzilla, which I always I always thought were really interesting, and the, and the first the 1954 Godzilla, the Gojira, the original Japanese one, not the not the hacked up one that came a couple years later with Raymond Burr's face put into it, speaking English to Japanese guys <laughs> through a translator, but the original Japanese Gojira is really good. It's a it's a great black and white dark monster movie. It's great. And this Godzilla is just, he's so, he's got no personality. He's got no nothing to grab onto. You don't know what he is, what he's doing, what he's up to, what he wants. He's not, he... he okay, and, I'll agree with you. I don't really understand him. And you never even really see him. The weird, weird thing about this movie is uh, Gareth Edwards, the director, uh, who did a movie called Monsters, maybe in 2000... Not Monsters Ball. Not, Mon <laughs> not, not Monsters Monsters Ball. Incorporated. No, not Monsters You. Not Monster. Not Monster. <laughs> Not monster. No. Uh, it's from like 2010. It was a very little scene. But he's the director for this movie, and he makes the, the baffling, baffling decision over and over again to cut away from the action. Here comes the Muto stomping towards Honolulu. Cut away to some guys in the boardroom talking. I agree with you. Okay, so Ray Here I wanna... comes Muto and Godzilla. <laughs> Muto and Godzilla. Oh, and you're looking at it through... What is this voice through, you're making? Through, through Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen, who's great. She's in this movie. She plays the wife of Aaron Taylor Johnson, who's oh, the soldier. Uh, what is that voice? I, it's, the, I, it's, the, it's the Gojira voice. And and you're looking up at the you're looking up at the giant monster coming down to stomp all over your city, and then some doors close on your face, and you're in another scene. Okay, I'll agree with you on that. Okay, there are a lot of boardroom scenes. Suddenly they're looking at maps again. Why are you looking, looking at, at charts again? again? No, I don't want to look at maps again. I don't want to see Ken Watanabe explaining monster science to <laughs> David Strathairn. 
I don't know what it was. While or, Sally Hawkins, by the way, Sally Hawkins, Oscar-nominated Sally Hawkins. What is she there for? Just stands back in the corner saying nothing. I don't even know why she's there. I know why Ken Watanabe is there. His, his job is to say, sometimes man attempts to overtake <laughs> nature. But nature will always win. He's, he's yeah. pretty much like the fortune cookie guy. You open a fortune cookie, whatever it says. Right. Ken Watanabe is going to read that next. Ken Watanabe is just there to say, look, Japanese uh, audience, we, you know, we've acknowledged Godzilla's Japanese roots. See, look, we brought we Ken Watanabe. Look, right, exactly. <laughs> Don't get mad at us, even though he's fat. Um, I, just, I just thought this movie was so stupid. Yeah, it's very flawed. And for being a major big-budget monster movie, it should just have a better tempo to it all. It should be more exciting. I should be screaming. I should be doing uh, lots of things that I'm not doing during this movie. Crap date. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> crappy, crappy oh date. Oh, my God. Is this better or worse than Walter Mitty? <laughs> okay. I, I feel it's like better, I have to it's start- better than Walter Mitty. Interesting. Better than Walter. Interesting. Mitty. Okay, so I just thought it was so dopey, and I thought I I just I really can't say enough bad things about it. All right, I will say I don't think it's a very good date either, but I do think fans of special effects are going to like it, and I think that this is going to do really well in the international markets. There's almost no dialogue in the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think this is going to do fantastically well in international markets. I you know? will we'll see. I, you know, the the Amazing Spider-Man two was not a big uh, was not a, a huge seller at the box office. I'm not saying it didn't make any money, but it was not the big boffo tent pole knock 'em over rock 'em sock 'em that everyone thought it was going to be. I think there is fatigue setting in for this kind of stuff and I think Godzilla is going to add to that fatigue. Mm, That's what I think. Maybe this will be a million dollar arm leak. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Don't crush me, Godzilla. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up with trivia, as we always do. Rafer, what was last week's trivia question? Last week's trivia, we were uh, reviewing Neighbors, the film with uh, Seth Rogen and Zac Efron. That so movie was funny. about— You loved Neighbors. I, I like Neighbors, too. <laughs> I just love a trampoline fight. <laughs> <laughs> and, and largely well-reviewed, I think, uh, Neighbors. So it's done well. Um, that movie was about a fraternity. We decided to ask if you could identify this movie about a sorority. We need to get all dressed up. And then we need to go to a club and drink fruity drinks and dirty dance with each other. Oh! Why? To bond, you old grumpy. And we picked randomly the right answer. Here it is. Hi, this is Jordan from Ojai, California. Just calling to give a shot a question for the movie trivia. I think the movie is The House Bunny starring Anna Ferris. Thanks. But of course, great job, terrific job, Jordan. And we just want to remind all listeners that, like Jordan, you can call us anytime at five seven one seven movies. Kristen, what about this week's trivia? So for this week's trivia, in honor of immigrant movies, movies with stories much like mine, Rafer, much like yours, much like mine of being an immigrant, we are going to uh, play a little something from a certain famous immigrant movie, and we're going to ask you to tell us what that movie is. Know that movie? Give us a call five seven one seven movies, or you can visit us at facebook.com slash movie date podcast. And this week, we want to give a huge thanks to Jay Cowett, technical director of the Takeaway, for his terrific version 
lyrics, and vocals of Coming to America. Thanks so much, Jay. In 